Kevin Hackett sits down with me today. He's one of the co-founders, and he helps run Shoal Studio. But man, you'll listen to him, and it's you'd be hard-pressed to think he wasn't just a philosopher. Check it out. The coolest thing about this uh, is sitting down with my friends. Some of them are new, but mm-hmm. a lot of them are friends. And we get to memorialize these discussions we have. That's true. And, and we've had some of these discussions already. Yeah. But I think we, we do distill these concepts a lot when we have these discussions. And I learn a ton from these conversations. The, the ones that are not recorded as well. You know? It's true. It's true. I think a lot of times, you know, there's, uh, there's an, I call it an unconscious seeping that happens as well. You know, I've looked at Carl Jung a lot and there's this idea that, you know, 90% of our bodies are talking to each other, you know, uh-huh. that our verbal communication is a minor percentage. There is all this other feedback happening at the Where'd same time. Where'd you get this, man? Uh, I, th- I think um, uh, studying architecture initially, what kind of pushed me into that discipline to some degree. Um, I was more of an artist, um, but I think a critical thinker and a curious mind like all of us. And as I had the flexibility in my graduate work to introduce other disciplines or play with other topics as well as architecture and think about it as a cross-pollination of disciplines, uh, I was naturally guided towards psychology, philosophy. I think, you know, it's like the art. It's like that that combination of, okay, how can I get deeper on this subject? Mm-hmm. Or if I'm really doing this as a architecture, as a humanitarian effort, then what mm-hmm. is, how does the mind work? How do we really understand what we want or what our needs are? Um, what is the objective and subjective realms? And there is something that I'm actually teaching right now. I'm doing a course on design philosophy. In which school? At the Academy of Art University. That's cool. And uh, about three or four years ago, we started that. Um, myself and Braden Engels, and we developed a syllabus that hadn't been done before. And uh-huh. uh, we based it on Platonic systems. Is that philosophy? Tell me the course again. It's called, it's called design philosophy, mm-hmm. um, logic, ethics, and aesthetics. So it goes back to Platonic of the, you know, the, the classical, the good, the true, and the beautiful. And it's funny how a trinity like that still is relevant and is still critical to how we perceive space and objects and environments. And that's something where we have the students go through different processes and, and think about um, whether it's a building or an object or an event and really dissect it into, okay, what are the ethical realm around that subject? Mm-hmm. What's the rational, objective sensibility of that? And then something that we all do is aesthetics. And aesthetics is actually, when you start going down the rabbit hole of aesthetics, it's actually a highly complex word. And it means yeah. many things um, in philosophy and design. We use the word aesthetics uh, um, in many respects. Uh, I think there's an aesthetic intelligence, which is something interesting, mm-hmm. which we all have to educate our clients. And we've talked about that. And, you know, we have some brilliant clients in the Bay Area who are, you know, gifted, cog- cognitively brilliant, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we subscribe to, as an, as an, as an office, this idea of um, uh, Kunstler, uh, not Kunstler, I think Gardner, Howard Gardner actually created this really interesting thesis on multiple intelligences. 
and this idea that everyone has a psychograph. And this psychograph is, okay, maybe you're brilliant cognitively, maybe emotionally you've got problems. You've fallen apart. Maybe aesthetically you've you got, know nothing. Yeah. You know, and, and Daniel Goleman, I was another writer, done some really interesting work around emotional intelligences, you know, and uh, so once you start to dissect not just a person, I'm not, we're not saying we're going through this big psychological exercise with our clients, but it can be a, this kind of unpacking can happen on so many different levels. It can what be as a group, <clears throat> a, an office, a building, you can start to dissect all these things. You, know, you study this, you do this, you have an operation, you have a procedure. When you deploy this uh, system with your, with your clients, um, they've only done it once, maybe three times. You know, versus your 50, 100, 500. What do you, how do you think they change at the end of it? Everyone changes. It's, it's, it's like, they, you know, it's not as if, it's this idea, I think Proust talked about the idea of, you don't search out new landscapes, you create new eyes, right? So this idea that it's, you know, de, you know uh, developmental stages of growth, you know, Ken Wilber's done some brilliant work around integral theory, around this idea that, um, and, Dr. Don Beck did this whole process of spiral dynamics. So every few years, we change the, our, we change completely in every aspect. Um, our likes, our tastes, our aesthetics shift as well. Mm -hmm. um, so in that, what is that an actual growth or is that random? So a lot of the work that's been done is say, you know, there is an actual developmental shift in how we process things. So the idea that maybe our idea in the beginning of a project where a client maybe hasn't got a lot of experience in aesthetics or understands what that actually means or understand what are the, what are the ethics of the design process? You know, what is the decision making? Explain to listeners what do you mean by ethics of design process? Well, it's, 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 uh, it's an interesting word because sometimes in philosophy it goes down certain paths I think that we adopt it in certain ways in the design process. So, for example, from an interior's perspective, this is, you know, in the idea of objects. So, okay, where it's very easy to see sustainability falls under ethics, right? Mm -hmm. The idea, okay, where is, where is the source of this product? Uh, where is it coming from? What is it made from? Where is it going? Uh, but it also falls back into the function of a building as well. Like, what's the ethics of this building? You know, what's happening in this space? Is this good? Is this a moral a morally aligned space. So it's this mm -hmm. idea that it's this floating system of orders of what should be or ought to be uh, done in, in, in time and space. And that's shifting completely. And it's one of the things where we really haven't talked about ethics as a community, a design community so much. It's only in the mm -hmm. last 20 years, 30 years with climate change, with sustainability, mm -hmm. where that's really come at the forefront. But there's different typologies of aesthetic, of ethics as well. Um, and I think it's like, what's the, what are, there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad things that are created in the world from a design perspective. Uh -huh. So why, what is the purpose of this coming into the world? Why would you manifest that right now? You know, I think we're in a renaissance right now of 3D printing, you know, the amount of junk that's going to come on the market because of 3D printing is like, okay, well, what is, how does that help us? So yeah. I think the intention that you create something is what are you bringing to the marketplace. Now, I think it's different when it's a very personal relationship with a client versus an, an industrial object versus, you know, a machine or some space you're doing for an, an office or a tech group, for example. But it does come into play um, on so many different decision-making processes, mm. and it's something that comes comes out. And it's something that's that's interesting and it's new territory, and we kind of share that with our clients as we go through. So you have um, aesthetics, you have yeah. the um, and what was your first one? 
Uh, well, there's logic, you know. Logic, logic is, yeah. you know, logic, truth, objectivity. You know, I think we live in a land now where, you know, what is truth and truthiness and how to yeah. define that, you know. And, you know, you have clients going off researching items during the process and say, well, what about this? So sometimes there's a rationality of, well, where's the source of that? Where's the truth of that item or that link or that article or that object? Like, where's, where's the source of things? And a lot of times logic and ethics overlap somewhat uh, but from a lot of it is very functional so functionality is logic you know the basic mm -hmm. function of how we operate you know of the form of math you know there's a functionality when you map out a kitchen design or you're mapping mm -hmm. out landscaping or something of that nature you know there's 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 a, there's, a, there's, a, there's rigor there's logic and i think modernism gave gave us a lot of that to some degree that there has to be some order in that process and i think they're the things we're juggling with continually right and I think, uh, and how nature interacts with that. Um, but we could go on for that. That's, a, that's kind of yeah, the, a, a very, very, it can get very it elaborate, all that whole, gets that elaborate whole, yeah. Because you're so wicked smart, Kevin, that's no, but why. It, no, not quite, no, I think, yeah. I, I think having a curious mind is something important. And academia mm -hmm. is important. And I, you know, I tell graduates now when they come out of school, you know, get, get your foot back into school. Get a sense of, um, you know, you're in service too, to the process. Well, so, so after all of this, you know, I would imagine everybody comes to your studio because they like this introspection, they like these discussions, and they follow that flow easily and lovingly and happily. Uh, but it's a lot of work that not everybody signs up for. Of course. You know, um, what's the deliverables? Well, that's do you think at the, at the end of the day that you're really trying to give your clients? Because uh, Shul Studio is a multidisciplinary studio, right? Mm -hmm. You do not just architecture, but landscaping and interiors. Correct. Have I got that correct? Yep. So there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to work mm -hmm. on. What are the deliverables at the end well, of the day? Well, I think look, all of the discovery look, the deliverables, it's not so much the pro The product is the product at the end of the day, but that process, the initial process. Yeah, but how do you describe the product? Okay, well, let's, let's, let's go back to process. The genesis. How are, you know, that's, so the company's name is Shul. It's based on seed, Gaelic tone. I'm yes. an Irishman myself. Yes. Um, more of a European mutt, but I've, I have a French mother. I came from a very cultured background. My mother was a, 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 a retired diplomat and yeah. I, was, I was around a lot of stuff when I was younger yeah. and I was open to that. And uh, I think in some respect, uh, the, when we talk about the source of things, so let's, let's talk about, let's, let's kind of the go seed. back. The seed. Let's go back to, yeah, the source. You know, at the end of the day, it, why can't architecture be, has a metaphor for seed? You know, we talk, I think, you're, you know, it was um, McDonough, cradle to cradle, if you're familiar with that philosophy. He, that, he put the tree as a beautiful metaphor for architecture and buildings. You know, for example, a tree, a tree. Must you know, have a strong foundation. Well, yeah, it's very, it creates yeah. oxygen, sequesters oh, okay. carbon, it distills water, it recreates itself. You know, it's, okay. it does, it's in a, you know, it creates these habitation for creatures. It's got so many different, why can't a building changes with the seasons? So can a building or a space adapt to our nature like that, to us and the contextual surroundings? So that's a very lofty goal, right? But conceptually, we like the idea of seed because as a metaphor, it's not just seeing a seed and creating an idea but see it as an internally that we are changing ourselves around space you know how Growing you, yeah, we're, well we're, well it depends you know are you so for example you work on projects are you are you mirroring those clients you giving you know what is the process of that deliverable are you giving them space to grow into 
you know, so these are the kind of valid mm -hmm. questions I think you need to ask. Mm -hmm. And we kind of ask it at the very outset because we think, you know, it's, you know, I think, I don't know what other firms call it specifically, you know, we like the idea of it's, you know, what is pre-design? The mm -hmm. moment you actually draw anything, the moment you get a plan, you know, so I think, you know, I think it's a norm now amongst design firms. We talk about context and placemaking and understand the history and the cultural, um, geographical, so you understand where that specific point and places, mm -hmm. right? So longitude, latitude, you know exactly every space is different, right? Mm -hmm. It's history. So I think creating the place is, is interesting. We're almost like archaeologists. We're digging yeah. for truth and because it's, a, okay. it's, an, it's an extractive thing. It's not an additive thing. It shouldn't yes. be, you shouldn't be loading on more knowledge onto somewhere when it, it's already there. You just have to look for it. Okay, you know? so I've got a question I asked somebody else a couple of weeks ago too. What are some of the questions you use to unlock and sort of to implement your archaeological dig? Well, I think, you know, from in San Francisco, it's interesting, for example, you, what, go, what, to, you go up to the library, you look at all the maps. No, no, you what are you asking your clients? Oh, clients. Okay, well, so, like so dig out okay, we're talking about two very different things. We're talking about, you know, self and place, right? So yeah. place is, is more objective because you can dig into that. There's history, there's books, there's, there's archives of photography. There's storytelling from the site. Find someone who's lived there for okay. the last 60 years and they, they'll bring, introduce another layer of the narrative. Uh -huh. so, so it's almost a split, really. There's a split in, okay, how, how are we doing on our, you know, the genius so you really scene. put so much effort. I've never really heard an architect talk about this, the history of the site. There, it, it, yeah, no, the without question. The, the, the previous... Homeowners? Yeah, the homeowners. Was it a saloon once upon a time? Like, you know, once you start unearthing and you can find that he's looking at some of the water fire maps that exist in San Francisco uh -huh. and every city has it. Now, obviously, you're in the middle of the desert. It's a very different conversation about place yeah. because, you know, but as far as, you know, we, everyone's headed to the city now in the next 20 years. I don't know what the stats are. We're, we're as, a, as, a, as a humanity, we're going to be urban creatures in the future. So the idea that we're just kind of standing on each other in some respect and, and those layers upon layers, those, the, the kind of stratosphere of, of that process, um, it's really interesting to us. So you can start peeling back different timelines. You know, it's like you go into an old Victorian, you're like, oh my God, there's four, four pieces of wallpaper here. Yeah, yeah. What did each piece of wallpaper mean at that time? Or who was it and why was it? And sometimes, you know, you, you find something and it kind of, okay, well, what if we use that the kernel of truth to talk about what this authenticity is of this space. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the word, I think, going back to authenticity, and I think that's something which is really core to our practice is, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're you know, I think, I don't know if you've come across Plasma, Plasma's a, um, um, how would I put Plasma? He's an architectural writer, and he's talked a lot about the phenomenology and existential nature of space, and, and trying to get a grip on, you know, what is the substance or essence of that. And, um, he talks about the idea of, you know, our role as designers is in defense. We've got to defend authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting idea. I like that. And what does it mean? You know, does it mean, oh, I'm picking this stone over that stone? Or does it I mean... It, to me, it means, <laughs> um, you know, like defending some maturity. You know, authenticity also. You know, there's great ideas. And there, we have this joke around the studio that there's no bad ideas, but yet there are some bad mm -hmm. ideas. And so maybe that maybe he's me defending some sort of yeah. Thing that's, I think there is the, some, there is a there is a better decision out of all the new out of decisions you could make. But is it better? Is what's between better and more authentic? You know, and that's the question we ask mm -hmm. ourselves: like, what is what is most suitable, or do we align mm -hmm. ourselves 
to, to the realism? And, and that's a very strange metaphysical question, and we talk about it in philosophy a lot of the time. It's, is our grounding in nature. So a lot of, I, I throw out the word phenomenology, but Merleau-Ponty is another very interesting philosopher that kind of hmm. is looking to the body rather than the mind. And the idea that, you know, we've lived in this kind of, um, you know, the, the, this dualism of sorts, and now we're trying to understand the whole, what we call the wholeness. We call it integral. This is kind of the full essence of, of, of body, mind, environment right and the idea that we are connected to space in that um mm -hmm. in time and place and um where were we going with this again um i'm not sure but i'm still stuck on uh okay you've talked about place but i'm also talking about okay now we're talking okay we'll move on to self or people okay right yeah. self or people you do know, you have a questionnaire for example do you give clients uh, I haven't with success ever delivered one that they would respond to without me prodding and it's hard. Yeah, it's I feel like people are busy and I can't really. But do you ask do you, so much of them? But well, but maybe maybe we should. Maybe as designers, we should ask a lot from, of our like, of our clients in that process. But from you know, you know, the first time I meet them at their house, as a first phone call, and trying to find out about their family, to find out about mm -hmm. what's going to make them, you know, the most uh, happy in their place, we, do, we create for them. And so, but I'm always trying to have new data, new questions, and I'd be curious what your inquisitions are. Like yeah, the Spanish inqu inquisitions. inquisitions are a bit, <laughs> it's a bit forceful. <laughs> to the sword. Uh, I, look, I, this, isn't, this isn't new either, you know. These, this, you know again, I, I, it's interesting. I've been looking back at early Californian modernism. If you go back to the, Southern Cal, you have... Mm -hmm people like Neutra and Schindler, who came from Austria and kind of set off the tone for that modernism um, mm -hmm. in place. And I think they were instrumental in developing the language there. Um, they, were, they were Jungian, you know, they were, they were, in, they were Neutra had, was interested in asking about dreams with clients mm -hmm. and, and, and interested in the subjective quality yeah, of yeah. What, their, what their imagination says. So really trying to delve into the subjective terrain. It's very easy to see what objective, oh, they're part of this group, or mm -hmm. they have X kids, they like such and such. Mm -hmm. um, and this goes back to the, the, well, the problem of even the visual problem that we have in society right now. I'm sure you get the same with, we have clients sending Pinterest yeah. accounts, and like, this is what I want something to look like. Or this have, is you, the, have we talked about that ever, where the Pinterest is kind of the democratization of images, where the, the best, most liked raised to the top. It's really the bell-shaped curb, and it's really not innovative, and it's really just... It's terrible. I think it's, 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 it's a very dangerous thing, because suddenly... It used to be a little bit better, it felt like. Maybe there was a more even... Yeah, I, I think if you look at the... Conceptually, I understand, it's an, it's, I understand the tool. However, for conception, is there other ways we can explore without looking at a photo of something? So I'm more mm -hmm. interested in the experience of something. So asking mm -hmm. a client, give me... Let's talk about experiences of spaces mm -hmm. and let's put words on it. Let's put mm -hmm. verbs on it. Let's put a narrative together. Let's not look at one actual image of anything. Let's not mm -hmm. get into stylistic sensibilities about industrialism or soft modernism mm -hmm. or whatever that is. Let's, let's, let's have a conversation, a real conversation mm -hmm. about those essences. Yeah, so it's hard. I, it's, it's, I ask them, you know, how do you want this uh, interior to make you feel when you come into your living room? When you walk out of your living room, what do you want that to have felt like? Yeah, well, you know, mm -hmm. use some examples. Uh, is it supposed to be like your mother's house, but in an updated version? Because you want it to be home. Do you want it to feel uh, exciting and, and for it to pump you up and for it to be, you know, 
and we might translate that into a lot of primary colors or for it to just be artistic and pow and yeah, you know, no, exciting. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm asking these uh, questions, but at some point, Kevin, I, I feel that they tire. They, they're uh, not everybody's ready to have that conversation all at once or of all course. the time. And we will have, and that's where you have to have interior dialogue in your own office and your practice. And you talk about these things and you map them out, their frameworks and understanding, are we delivering the right goods, you know? That's Do you... A, you know, we've worked for, to where tech companies about, you know, asked us for something and it's like, okay, well, is this really what you, what you need? Or is, you know, where, you know, we want them, we want them to dig a little deeper. So for example, mm-hmm. there's a lot of startups I've, I've connected with in recent years when I've asked them, well, send me your mission statement. Let's start from there. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're still kind of working on that. We're still mm-hmm. working on that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, are you, have you worked on it at all? Do you yeah. know who you are yet? So I think this is the difficulty with age as well. You know, when I first started, you know, got into this, was, I had a lot of older clients and, you know, people well, I don't know, well-traveled or people that had life experiences that they could relate lean to. into. They could lean into. Yeah. But I think with this generation of, you know, with, with, uh, we are in the Bay Area, um, I don't think there's not enough stories around. <laughs> you know, that narratives are hard to find and now, you really have to distill it and pull it out from people. Do you compartmentalize the two? Because I don't do the architecture bit. Um, you know, I only do the interiors part. When you're, do you spend a lot more time digging and searching the place and person for the architecture versus the, the source of all that no, it's, inspiration? No, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I, when I, so when I first came here, I was working for a British architect. I was doing a hey, satellite office. That was don't G- tell me his name, Johnny Gray. That was Johnny, yeah. Johnny was kind of in between architecture and interior design. Um, and we would be in different projects. And I noticed on some of the bigger projects we worked on, um, not all private, and a pretty uh, a mix, there was so many different people on board these projects. Uh, different uh, staff? Well, no, different, different, uh, you would have clientele. different design. You have landscape, art, oh, oh, yeah, all, yeah. And, and they would all try and understand where the mm-hmm. stopping point, where the starting point is, mm-hmm. what's the actual, and they all come with their own kind of design philosophies mm-hmm. or none or, you or know, process. our process. And there's no kind of early discussion on how that all fits yeah, together. Yeah. And I, and I, and that was, it was kind of a weird You vacuum. sort of solved that. And I just said, I, I, I cannot be part of this because I feel like I, I'd see a, you know, zero connectivity between inside and outside. Yeah. So the idea, well, who planted that tree over there? What was that intention? And what were they thinking about from the interior's perspective? And how does that framed out architecturally? So suddenly you have all these decision making where, hang on a second, if you actually could control all these different facets, you could actually have a much more holistic way of thinking and approaching the process. Have you done your own house? Like I guess you're working on it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you loving that? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, this, a building in San Francisco is, is, is challenging at yeah. best. Um, we don't, I don't want to go into the politics of planning departments yeah. and so forth. But it's, um, when you're tied on space, yes, you, 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 you go through this iterative process. It's, it's, um, you know, when you want that tree to be framed of the window. Yeah, or how you, you know, what's the idea of public space, how your relationship to the street is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what's, as, you know, as personally as I grow as a designer, I, there's, a, there's a shift from certain um, ways of approaching, our, our, I would say our perceptions of design. So no longer is an object just a floating object. It's connected to the house next door. It's connected mm-hmm. to the sidewalk. It's connected to the neighbors across the road. And, you know, is that general context? Well, I think it's a deeper sense of context of what that is because it's ever-changing anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty about the city as an organism, you know. And again, I love to relate architecture to 
live moving or even you know I, I have friends with I have tech friends we talk about circuit boards you know like the city is a circuit board is this kind of you know an organic circuit board but the idea that this this thing is just continually in flux yeah. and shifting and every layer yeah. steps into another one and there's some the fabric itself is just really dynamic and, and if you really sit down and look at a city in operation you know and that's what I used to live to do in Europe you know you just in the cafes you just sit down and watch mm. and it's not just people it's 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 architecture everything's watch the bus systems everything everything yeah. it's just there's a, there's a wonderful um, process involved in that what do you hope to create at your house um, what do you have a mission statement for that more space <laughs> no uh, yes that's a very personal mission statement Jeff I shall not be letting okay, that yeah. out I will hold certain things back today <laughs> that's okay with you close to the chest to this guy <laughs> yeah well I've, ha I've had the opportunity to do a few of our houses you know train my wife that's right you you see you're clever you got into the you see the I'm learning you know that real estate and architecture and design is implicitly entwined you know and mm -hmm. when you do your own work you can actually do what you want too, which is yeah. which is which is an added bonus. Well, like like you have this multidisciplinary uh, practice. You know, when we do our own house, which I've done ten of them, you know, so I do have my own on on these projects. I'm you know guiding it all, and mm -hmm. it is super rewarding. And I definitely get what I want. I'd like to do more of that with clients because I think the end product, just like you, you say, is more one hand touched it, more uh, a sculptor. And work through that whole process. Mm. It's cool, but um, you know, do you have uh, do you have a feeling that you're trying to create when you're you know walk up to the building when you get into the building? Do you well, it's, no, that? it's all it's all about that specific space and and the relationship to the street and what that is and and oh, yeah, how you process you transition through that space. But talking about look, let's go back to transitions. You know, the idea that should a should a, a gutter detail, for example, yeah. should that be in alignment with a, a countertop detail? You know, the, mm -hmm. or should there be relationships mm -hmm. between this kind of process and how we think about space? Mm -hmm. Or should the selection of certain types of hardscaping in relationship to... You know, I think the difficulty with landscaping is that it's, it's real, true landscaping takes time. You have to have patience. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you have a vision of something mm -hmm. that could, it could look like in four or five years' time, or ten years' time, or twenty years' time, when, you know, this wonderful oak has grown and so forth, whatever that mm -hmm. circumstance is. That's why it's interesting. I was um, talking about the Apple Park, you know, and this idea where you know they bought all these you know mature trees to get it to give that sensibility of age. And that's and what that's, the Apple Park meaning? Yeah, a, it's, a new it, campus. Yeah, a new campus. That they created oh. this old. They're creating an old growth park, and you know, oh. like, they, do they like ship in larger? Yeah, trees? of course they do. Yeah. So the question is, and that goes back to authenticity. Is that a, is that an authentic move? Or should should mm -hmm. a should a tree be allowed to grow in its space? And be sculpted hmm. by its own environment, and that's a, that's do you know, a question do you know, we try talk to debate about. both sides of that because that's interesting enough. I mean, I understand if it grew itself, it's more rooted, it's historical, the energy is deeper, it's a universal law that it's better. But, no, but what you know, like, you know, can we can we kind of create and make today's garden? Um, but then we're getting into we're getting into augmented virtual reality, and this is a conversation we have in the class sometimes about you know what what is the nature of our own reality and and when it comes to design for example in second life you know there are architects working on digitally being hired to do projects on a platform mm -hmm. so the idea that can you be creative and create beautiful space in a virtual space of course you can there's no question of that but what is the relationship you know we have technology and architecture is one of those really okay. 
interesting relationships. Back up from the technology part, um, I'm just kind of stuck here on, uh, I guess, debating whether it's okay to go ahead and bring those giant trees as a philosophy, or maybe, as you put it earlier, the ethics of the design. Um, Do you know how, in our, our world, there's judgment? People are judgmental. So where do you draw the line of people... Um, you know, this is this is something I created. It it, it meets all my needs. Mm-hmm. That's what it's there for, humankind. If you know, in the universe, in, in increasing lives. Well, what do you want? Well, so you know, at what point do you say, "Well, that's good for you," so I I'm I'm good with that. Well, are we talking about criticism here? Is this is this when you say judgment? What do you yeah. mean by that? Are we on anonymous well, blogs? Well, no, no, it's not. It's not <laughs> criticism necessarily. It's it's. Uh, feedback and, and uh, pr- perhaps criticism, though, including criticism. Judgment, I mean, you know, I'm just, just like walking the back line, I'm not sure where I lie on. I haven't really thought much about it, about implementing trees. I think, I think in general, I, mean, I like a nice park. You know, and the, you know, you wouldn't be the first, it, it, Apple campus won't be the first nor the of last. Of course, no. Go look at Golden Gate Park, we're hanging, you know, I always, yeah. every time I'm in Golden Gate Park, I love the park, and I'm, I live just three blocks away. Mm-hmm. But I'm always looking at, you know, what You're was what was here. No, what was you no? Know, I know exactly what was there. It was grains of sand, but yes. what was actually curated, <laughs> and what was the process of curation when they actually selected Versus all these which things? Which eucalyptus just bloomed? Well, yeah, which which actually just came from nothingness. Which was a seedling that blew from at the on the ocean breeze, or what was okay? We are structuring, putting this pine here and there. So, look, I think landscape is 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 really interesting in that process. Obviously, I'm it's something I'm learning more and more about um, the nuances of that um, architecture by itself is its own essence um, but we're obviously headed to a world where architecture and nature are going to be bound together there's no question mm-hmm. of that that would be the natural evolution where we're um, some whether it's through biomimicry whether it's through understanding um, the, like the living buildings challenge mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what and they, you know they've got some beautiful poetic yes. sort of you know benchmarks of what really truly is a, a, an organic structure and what does the interiors look like in that? You know, I think in some ways, a lot of times, I noticed the architecture in the Bay Area is, is melding, you know, that modernism with that love of nature. And, and how does that complete itself? Um, but I think we're different in Northern California from Southern California. There's no question of um, we've had here historically, the, you know, the, the Bay Area traditions. You know, I think we've had three. I believe we're in the fourth. I don't know if anyone's actually called that out as yet. So we had, we, the, you know, the measure of the, the, you know, a lot of modernism, true international modernism hasn't actually never really permeated into the Bay Area. And that's because of nature. That's because of sight. That's because of people like John Muir and Maybeck and Julia Morgan that, that drove a certain organic understanding of architecture and nature and their relationship. And how, how do we, how do we, how do we um, uh, uh, create that? And what's the discipline for understanding those systems? So, um, and you can see, you know, in the middle of the century, you had a lot of, the 20th century, you had a lot of, um, you know, modernism that was kind of fluctuating around that idea. So I think it's ripe right now. And I'd, what I'd love to see is a lot of designers come together. And we may have talked this, about this before, but um, to really talk about as a, as a, as a design profession, what is what is a Bay Bay, what is that fourth Bay Area criteria, uh-huh. and what does it mean? And I have talked about it with Stanley Sadowitz. Interesting. Okay, because I I feel like we're in a place right now where as as designers, as professionals, 
we should be in a place where we can kind of dictate that. Because I feel like mm. I'm repeating myself a lot. Do you? Well, I feel like, you know, a lot of new clients, you're saying, well, have you, you know, it's almost like where... Do you mean repeating your work? Uh, no, no, repeating, the, repeating or... some of those ideas oh, of, yeah. of, of explaining some of those systems and what they mean. I'm not, you know, and maybe it is a manifesto. Maybe it is a joint manifesto we all come up with, sit down and say, you know what, this is what this fourth barrier tradition yeah. means. And that if you're, you know, and, and it obviously there's a lot of different permutations of that this is a framework it's not a do you want to have a it's summit? not a rule book but maybe do you want to have a summit maybe we should should we do it right now well i think we should we order we'll come to order and put it out there who's who's game um i i, I think it's necessary i think it's at this time i think it's an educational tool for people that don't know design and architecture and it's it's almost you know you're putting forth um i think similar have you have you you spent time with sea ranch have you yeah, I've been up there a few times. You so, love it up there. Yeah, no, well, I just, I just, I just really like the idea that you know, it's, it for me, it was uh, philosophically seventies, um, right? Um, yeah, mixer, but it was a lot of you know, it was, it was the likes of you know, um, Escherich and Moore. Mm-hmm. A lot of really talented people came together and, and and really created their own language, you know. And I think there's something immensely powerful about that. And and I see to myself, you know, can we? Can it's easy to do that on a beautiful acreage of lands, and you can develop that. So how right. does it? So with this, I'm not saying we have this uniformity at all, but I just yeah. think maybe maybe there's there, there there are some. It'd be interesting to see what those commonalities between architects and designers are at this mm-hmm. moment in time in the Bay Area. Um, again, I see it from different mindsets what, to what, some degree. Yeah. I've been recently looking at our business and our practice as a sort of vehicle, uh, but you know, as a as a, just a vehicle to do more good. You know, the more more reach we have, the more people we can connect, the more life beyond just the architecture, beyond the homes, beyond the mm-hmm. artwork in the home. But the gallery owner and the the carpenter and all these people we put together, you know, we, we can make actually social change and other things, yeah, like political and, yeah. and otherwise. But when I think about the architecture, there was a moment at Eshrick and, and Sea Ranch, you know, has that changed life? Those structures? If, was that third wave or whatever you wanted to call it? I'm not sure what you're, you're describing it as, but has that made an impact? Impact? I on people? I believe so. I, you know, I believe that you're, you engage in that type of space and you see that consistency. And um, it's it's a language at the end of the day, you know. And there's there's a there's a cohesiveness that appears. It certainly memorializes a moment in time, and then that kind of maybe that helps humankind slow down and say that was a that was a moment, you know. It well, maybe like, puts a punctuation in history instead of just forever. Well, no, hist- it is historic, you know. I think yeah. it's so. In you know, when we look at the history of architecture, we look at what you know what. Postmodern and modernism means in different parts of the world, and you know I think this kind of regional response that occurred in Sea Ranch is 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 exceptional, you know, and it should be dated and it should be we should remind ourselves that it can be done. That's what's, all. What's your vision of the fourth wave? The fourth wave. Are you just creating these things? <laughs> what did you call it? Run back the tape, Robbie. I think it was a four. That, well, we're saying we apparently. I don't. Again, I need to speak to some hist- architectural historians here in the city, which uh, you know there are only. Well, a what's few, your vision of this coalescence? Why? Well, I'm just look. I'm just. We're just talking about it now for the first time, but maybe it's something I'll think about and put to paper and send some emails out. But 
all in all, I think as a group, we, we need more connectivity. You know, I think yeah. in some respects, everyone's trying to brand identity to be different. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And that's part of the language. But I think there needs to be some, some roots, right? Mm -hmm. So again, going back to my metaphor system, roots, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, what, is, what, what are those roots and, and how can we mature that? To, to be critical on the existing architecture around the city of San Francisco, I don't know about, I mean, outside of San Francisco necessarily, but Stanley Sadowitz said to me he was disappointed in, you know, the constriction that the planning department gives architects because you could go to Phoenix or any other city and you wouldn't know any different from San Francisco. Like the buildings look yeah. similar. That and was that's, yeah. and like But go to Barcelona and go to cities in Chile and you'd say, well, that new work is clearly the city. It's true, but they also went through their, their timeline as well. There was a time in Europe in maybe the 80s and 90s when, you know, after the European Union came together, there was a lot of, a lot of cities in Europe were looking very similar, the main streets. Uh -huh. And I think what happened in that process, there was kind of a backlash to rediscover, uh, reinterpret what identity is. Um, I think I learned that a lot working in China, you know, and, and there, was a, there's a, you know, there was a lot of bad modern, modern buildings created in China over the last 30, 40 years. And I think there's been a backlash now and um, there's been an awareness now in the culture um, that they have an amazing history of mm. architecture and design mm. and that yeah. they should be evolving that tradition without yeah. just you know jumping on board steel and glass or whatever that yeah. is and and that's happening now Wang Shu Wang Shu is doing some beautiful work where he's really looking at the craft of that industry uh, and what it was and and really evolving um, the typology across the board and, and yeah. that's important that is really really cool point out Kevin I've never even thought about that just sitting here thinking about the political life we have today and the landscape it's sort of the design and the architecture and the lives that are inside of all of these cities um, but it goes back it to comforts it, me it's true to but think it's all about we are, there's there's more connectedness of course know, at a different level than the, what the of the course there is are. but but look it, to be really factual like policy change makes change you know we mm -hmm. can I can postulate all I want talking to you about what should happen in San Francisco but there needs to you know I had a great mentor in my old in my old college days and he was like you know you have to change the system from within uh -huh. you know so there's this idea well there has to be a conversation with government mm -hmm. um, if you are going to shift that so whether that's at the very base and I know there's some there's some talented young people in the planning department now that are that are, you know, shifting their agenda and uh, making it more relevant. I think the schools of thought have shifted. You know, the Jane Jacobs mindset now is, is very much rooted in, in, in that understanding of preservation, for example, and being mm -hmm. very careful about neighborhood, or, you know, what Jane the awareness Jane Jacobs, is, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, so that is happening, mm -hmm. and, and eventually it will happen. I'm, so I'm, I'm a, look, I think anyone in our field has to be an optimist, at least, um, yeah, and I think I, Jeff, that's that's you know I, I think it's we're we we had but the wall a lot as a as a practice, um, as a as a profession, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think we have to be, um, we you know we play with those kernels of truth when we can, and when we have the opportunity to do something interesting, then we need to do it. So, I think the problem I have, and maybe Stanley or whoever other architects in the in the Bay Area have, is that when the, some of those opportunities aren't taken. Now, sometimes that's the architecture firm, sometimes that's the planning department, mm -hmm. but there's opportunity that's missed. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's missed because of what we talked earlier about pre-design. There wasn't enough 
put into the very essence of the project, of what it stood for, um, its meaning. And look, we could talk about developers all day, and then even the developers' mindset is shifting as well. But this just takes time, you know. It, it's not overnight, but the problem is once you create that, it's there. And it becomes, you know, either uh, the new influence, this, this symbol of, of of failure, or it becomes uh, a transformative um, um, entity, you know. And obviously, it's all about transformation, and that's what we want to do. If we have this summit, we should invite some of the um, yes, we will get cool we will, people. At the we will get everyone involved. Um, Is it, uh, you mentioned Julia Morgan? Mm -hmm. She was the inspiration for the showcase house we both participated That's in right, 2015. Yeah. Uh, describe to our uh, listeners like what you did well, in the garden. Uh, I think that I had not visited that building before. I wasn't aware of it, and uh, on Jackson Street, mm -hmm. I believe. And I remember walking through the interior and thinking about some of the details, whether they. Did they belong to the Bay Area tradition? Was that emblematic of the craft of that time and what was authentic and what was not? And that's the first thing that usually goes through my head when I walk through some of these old homes. Oh. Like, you know, what were the, how many layers of, Have that went changed? through this process and hmm. what was the, and you can see it pretty clearly sometimes. Sometimes it's beautifully nuancedly done. Mm -hmm. So, but I walked in the back garden and I was like, good Lord, Julia would turn in her grave after uh -huh. seeing this. Because you just had a lawn, like a lawn, no old growth tree, nothing. Nothing that, that has lived there. And it was like, you know, for all that philosophy about nature and connectivity, this is almost wrong, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's when I went back to the office and I said, I, I know we haven't done much land art, guys, but I think this is an opportunity to do some kind of experiential space mm -hmm. that allows people to connect into the into the land somewhat. So you, you dug out a... Um, yeah, we dug down into a pit into pit the land. And, you know, we look, I'm inspired by land art. I've, I've always been inspired. It's cool. The people like Terrell and Heiser and Maya Lin. And there's a whole host of, of, of really amazing land artists um, in the 20th century that really, you know, carved out their, their, their philosophy in land, you know. And when I think about the Bay Area, let's be honest with ourselves, um, you know, um, a lot of the, the native tribes that lived here, they were, you know, they were the first inhabitants. So we went back and looked at the Ohlone tribes in the, in the Presidio and had a look at that and said, okay, well, what would they, how would they have created an environment where they would have connected to the land? And, you know, being, having, a, being a, friend, having a French mother, um, terroir and, and wine is very much part of that mm -hmm. parcel. And I love this idea of, of, of the earth is where the knowledge is. Mm -hmm. um, so digging into the earth kind of made, was very appropriate in that to kind of going back to the archaeological process we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what would it be like to lead an individual into this submerged space? It was cool. Um, and we did our shingle kind of, you know, That's surround. Her, That's homage to her. But, yeah. but it's very much, very much a, a connection with the land. Um, mm -hmm which was actually before Julio. Have you done any other um, experiential uh, installations like that? Yeah, we're playing with some ideas right now. It's really getting the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, we're very interested in merging art with architecture. I think we're, we're you know, I think this, the potentiality there is huge. Um, I think one of it, 
um, both from an interior point of view and the exterior and the and the relationship. You know, in the name of art, why I love artists is that they don't have to defend their work so much. It, yeah. it is, yes, <laughs> it is. And taking the Such artist an easy way and sometimes, just... you know, we fall. You know, a lot of architects and designers fall into the criticism that we have to you know, write a memoir on our work and defend every essence of that, um, whilst artists can just, you know, uh, say, you know, fuck you. That's yeah. <laughs> um, for somebody who um, is so in the trenches and ex exploring why and how, and uh, you're a professor, and um, where do you find the humor in some of your work? Or do you ever Jeez, get to find humor? Where do I find humor in work? Well, I think I, I find humor in the absurdity of life sometimes that's my that's my existential comedy that i go through uh -huh. uh, quite a lot where people have um a seriousness to things that should not be aligned in that manner um mm. i think um you know i grew up in monty Python, monty python comedy yeah um, so it's always been challenging to Just kind a of bring, <laughs> to, but you know, I think there's 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 some commonalities, but you know, the it's in, in the U.S. here, it's a little more challenging to to talk about that. Uh, comedy, you know, co do comedy and design exist? Of course they do. I think, but the the issue is that you know, as a temporary, as as in the process, perhaps. Um, yeah, maybe. Am I too serious, Jeff? Is that the problem? Uh, do I need <laughs> no, to? <man. laughs> Do we need to have another drink here? Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I just wondered. I mean, where do you I'm find? Not do sure. you find? Do you find? Like, give me, give me. What is comedy yeah. a piece of comedic art? You is know, it? Well, is it? Is my, it just you know being you know my everyday jam? I think I'm I'm most comfortable. And you know, we're all we're all doing our best as professionals when we're just living ourselves. We're walking people through the process. We're doing our very best, and we're being ourselves doing it. Yeah. Um, so that's my personality. I, I like to laugh all yeah. day. So you're being authentic to yourself, you see? Right. So by, by that mannerism, you're, you yeah. naturally, you're authentic in every choice you make. But I guess that's I, what, that's I what it should be. I don't know if you've ever been on the site. Do you spend much time on the site once you guys get going? You do of course, yeah. Time? No, I love, no, I, I, love I you know, CA, you know, CA is, is part of what we do. Sometimes it's, it's, it can be overburdening, you know, sometimes like when we have, you know, I'm, I'm spending 90%, 90% CA, I need some like, Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's as, as firms, I'm sure you have the same thing that we try and stagger projects. So we're in a place where there's always some conceptual work going on because that's really, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of time what feeds my soul is, mm -hmm. is, 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 You leave some of that for later. Well, to, to be discovered, it has to be because of existing conditions or. Yeah, but I'm saying just the idea of that, those initial meetings with the clients, when you're really trying to establish that the essence of a project like that, that is, that's where, where my, my own brain gets in overdrive and we're always, you know, this idea like, well, where is the narrative? What, what could it be? And, and it, and it, and it's one of those things that either it's a flash or it's something that naturally you, you're toying with this idea and you're, you know, this iterative process to see whether or not this, this sentence sometimes is, is going to be relevant for every decision that's going to be made on that project. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an exciting part of the discovery of a project, the clients, the site. Um, and I think that as of this moment right now, that gives me most pleasure. That's cool. Um, so not so much on the, the comedy or the laughter, really. You, you don't, well, have you ever walked on site and you're just, you just burst out into laughter because of something somebody's doing, like an error? <laughs> have, you seen, have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, I have I can, done. Have yeah, you? well, you know, I think, it, I heard a good line the other day. It was, it was, 
you know, luck, you know, was it luck is the residue of, of design. Good luck is the residue of good design, something yeah. of that nature. But this idea that, you know, you can, you can detail an entire set, you can have everything worked out, but you know and I know, you go on the site, things shift, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're, you're, <clears throat> there will be decision shifting in What's that process. What's your tolerance in uh, details, 8th, 16th, or 32nd, or what? It depends on the scale of where it's, where it's located. Where, if it's yeah. interior space, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's outside, then it's yeah. going to be very different. Yeah, no interior, uh, I mean. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think we're not big, big grout fans, if, if that was you, if that's what you, like, you need like, to know. This, um, it's like, how do you, zero. how do you obliterate grout? <laughs> uh, is there any manner? Um, but oh we've got gosh. some, we have some great, you know, people we work with, um, fabricators that understand what we want. Um, and sometimes that's the challenge, you know, and it's, uh -huh. and it's working with new teams is always a challenge because it's the expectancy that they will understand. You know, I think it's, Mm -hmm. um, in contract, I think that if a lot of contractors did a lot of modern work and understood a contemporary lines, it would be easier. But, you know, San Francisco is a bit of a, it's the land of the trim in one respect. Mm -hmm. Historically, you know, you just on those old, you know, Victorians, you just, you know, you just load up with trim and you can you just cover it to the floor. And and it's like done covered. Yeah. You yeah. know, the moment you start talking reveals to people, yeah. uh, that's where the, you know, the fear the comes. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I had this, this isn't really on site, but I did have this funny thing I saw years ago. I was in Mexico visiting a friend's house that we built down in Cabo. Mm -hmm. And we're, it was, the construction was coming to an end. And we were up on a, a balcony one morning looking down on this guy going, what is he doing? He's working in the driveway. And he's got a saw, like a wood saw. And he's oh, got all of this styrofoam, big white tubes or, or square pieces, you know, four feet long by a foot wide or something. He starts cutting them up into littler pieces of styrofoam with a wood saw. Like, you know, the, the ones you play, like the guys use a violin. So it's cutting these up, and we're like, what is he going to do next? He put them into a pile and then burned them. So, wow. Yeah. So, like, we were just... And what was the, we were what laughing, was the intention? <laughs> he was filling his day. Wow. He was uh, looking for things to do. I guess that's what our... You know what? That, that's a good segue just to finish up. There's a story. Our, our, when I was first year architecture school, um, we were made to make these models. Um, and they wanted, they had to be hyper detailed, quarter inch models, but they were, you know, they, they expected a level of detail from us. So I think we all spent, you know, three or four, you know, endless nights creating these models. Mm -hmm. And they were specifically models of existing, you know, classic buildings, classic pieces of modernism. And they brought all the buildings in the courtyard on the Friday afternoon, and they burned them all. Mm, oh. So there was like lesson number one, nothing is sacred. Uh -huh. And I was, I just, that, 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 that first year, you know, architecture, those That's kind of lessons lesson. are good. So I think about that and when I'm teaching first year yeah. students, you know, the impact of, of wisdom and how those ideas can be, can be uh, told, you know? Do you, I, I personally think our studio is getting, like we're just doing cooler things. Like, I still think our best days are ahead. Of course, yeah. Do you feel the same? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, we're... Look, this is the patience game, right? I think, it you is. know, when I, when I see I am pay turning 100 or something like that, and he's still, uh, you know, gallivanting around the world doing projects, and I'm like, okay, well, it's, 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 you know, where's the peak? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like we're still, you know, we're, we're young firms, you know, and I think... But the question is... So what, where, is, where are the goals? You know, are the goals in, in developing projects is to get 
to work with the right people. Um, and if you, can, if you can work with people um, that are on the same, I don't know, what's the, what's the, I don't know what the best word I'm looking for, but you want to evolve tradition. You know, we're interested in, in evolving typologies. Um, is it about scale? You know, is it about wanting larger projects? That's not necessarily true. It's, it's really, it's, it's the, the humanist space for us that if we find the right collaborative clients, that's when, you know, that's when magic occurs, that's you know, you know that's, that's where you can be bold. You know, I think it was a Goethe that said, you know, you know, boldness has magic in it. You know, it's because it's, 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 if you have the people willing um, um, to accept the process and, and bring themselves to the table, that's where it gets really exciting. That's what the Neutra and the Schindlers were looking for in Southern California when mm -hmm. they had these clients. They wanted people to basically... You know, to sign up to sign up to the product, yeah. and as as in you know, not as not as a bookminister Fuller kind of guinea pig, but mm -hmm. as 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 someone as being engaged in the process. Yeah. You know, because <clears> when you don't have that engagement, then you know, then it it, it weakens the the process to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, so, look, I I think that's something we're continually evolving. I think you're this. I think you know, you're we're we're all organically building ourselves and tooling ourselves in that manner, and. Um, you know, when you say cool, what is, you know, define cool for, for me? Have you, have you put that into words, you know, mm. of that, of, of what that type of project is, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you want me to do it now? Yeah, I'm curious. Oh. Um, well, I use the word rad a lot, rad. you know. So were you born in California? You sound, you sound awesomely California. No, um, <laughs> a little town northeast of Kansas City, Missouri called Trenton. Trenton. Very, very, very much not. But really cool parents took me all over the world also. By the time I was 14 or 16. So I'm blessed that way. But no, rad I use, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's uh, a fresher way to say cool, you know, is a difference. And, um, you know, I'm always trying to, I, I do like to have a one foot in historical mm -hmm. good design mm -hmm. and the other foot in artistry. And that's where I kind of play. And one foot's heavier than the other, depending on how. Um, heavy my concrete boots are. I understand. You know, like to some degree, we talk about you know going back to history, the kind of relevance of you know the medieval era when we had guilds. You know this this concept where you know with this new revolution of makers that's happening now in the Bay Area and across America and the world, really, um, how can we begin to recreate some of the models that were so successful before? And it's like on, on Petrero, you know, I'm sure there's some warehouses down below. And we've been, we actually worked on, we worked on a project and it's called Code and Canvas. It's just um, further down the street. And that was an interesting process because we were looking at, can light industrial work with artists? Can they, can they, is there, is there a way where we can look at an incubator hub where makers um, across the realm of technology and craft can actually come together and expose each other to ideas and create a community around that. Um, that's why I always feel it's just strange that whole conversation about art and technology in the Bay Area. I think there's, I think we can create a wonderful kind of harmonic relationship with both um, because I think both, I think there's a language that we can connect both of them to, you know, um, and that's what we kind of tried to create um, in that environment at Code and Canvas. But um, I still love, I still, I'm, I'm still have a romantic notion of the idea of what the guilds were um, and that, that idea of training um, and the idea of mentorship, 
the idea mm-hmm. of becoming a master at something. Like, what is that mm-hmm. process of evolution? And I think mentorship is something that's kind of lacking. I think. I think. Be, and look, I, I'm, I, I enjoy the entrepreneurial essence of the Bay Area, and you know, kids going off and creating their own um, landmark and their own um, ideas at Fresh. But have they been mentored enough? And when I say mentored, I'm not talking about how to use you know certain hardware, hardware, software. I'm talking mentorship in in, in ethics. Being leaders. In leaders. Yeah. You know, the idea of serving versus. Um, Lead, you, know, the, you know, it goes back to this idea of pushing, we, leading versus pushing. Maybe. Well, I think if you, it's like the super, it's like the, I used to think about the Batman and Alfred, right? Yeah. I haven't, I remember seeing this when I was a kid and the idea that are, you know, when you're graduating, do you want to be Batman or do you want to be Alfred? So are you in service? Is, are you in service to Batman? Is Batman the community at large? Is are you are, and and what what does Alfred do? He's he's in the background, he's making decisions, he's controlling everything, he is whispering in the ears of those with power. Like I just so we we went off in this whole diatribe about this idea of like, well, yeah. what is Alfred? And Alfred is the power, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like, oh, do you want to wear a cape and be the you know the 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 star architect crusader, or do you want to do good work and and be in service to the tradition? And that's a very that's a that's a medieval way of thinking, and a, and a good medieval way of thinking. Mm. Um, Falconelli wrote this great book on the idea of that um, he was kind of a mystic um, thinker at the turn of the century, and he talked about it was the first time I heard he talked about the Renaissance as ego. The Renaissance was full ego. Here suddenly you had people that were it was there was suddenly a hierarchy to the system, whilst before you didn't. Before there were architects, there were there were master builders. There was mm-hmm. there was this kind of egalitarian community that shared knowledge. Um, there wasn't. We didn't even have drawings in those days. You mm-hmm. know, we had these whack. We had, you know the builder was the architect. Many, but the, mm-hmm. the way those relationships were nurtured was so interesting. Was a lot of trust, and we've just forgotten. We've kind of forgotten that exists anymore. You know, and. Um, you know, I, I, there's not many modern examples of how that worked. You know, one of my favorites, uh, I, you know, I, one of my heroes is Carlo Scarpa. You know, Scarpa in Italy and Venice had worked with all these different trades and would spend most of his time in the wood shop and the metal shop mm-hmm. and with the glass makers and just, just playing, you know. And, and, and I still love that idea. And that's something, I, you know, we're talking about having a shop and really how do we, how do we bring that to the fore again? Because there's a lot of talented people in the Bay Area, and this maybe goes back to our summit. Yeah, you know, get let's rile people up and 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 and, and let's have a conversation I think together. Fantastic. I mean, you know, so many talented people and architects and builders and influencers. It would be, so it would be interesting, and that, that would be really. It's fun. funny we've come back to that again, but maybe it's there's a reason. No, no. Back you know, we're doing again. our new studio. We'll do. We'll be moving in November. Maybe it's something early next year. No kidding. It'd be super fun. We'll see if we can. Pull it together. It could be fifteen people write a manifesto. Exciting. Well, we're we're actually moving. We're we're um, building new offices right now. We're yeah. really excited about that. That will hopefully by the end of the year we'll be on Tenth Street, and uh, we've got a much bigger facility. Tenth is it? Um, it's across the road from Costco, so just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just pretty close by. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're excited. Um, we're building our our people at the moment. We're actually yeah, and just put it out there if you're. If you're a talented young person and you would like to join the Sheol team, please send an email to info at sheolstudios.com. That's spelled the blend. 
Info at shiolstudios.com. S-I-O-L. S-I-O-L studios. Yeah, Well, Kevin, totally rad. Awesome, uh, dude. Bodacious, super radical. Super amazing, bro. <laughs> uh, we'll do it again real soon. We'll sure continue that... this conversation. We'll see where it takes us. Oh, we're um, like just going to go to continue it right now. Right now. Let's... Yeah. <laughs>